Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 408, welcome to Drive Time with DeRussia. Crazy, crazy weather today, no doubt about it. Um, you know, what are you going to do? It'll be dark by the time we get out of here. Maybe some of you are with us. I hope you uh, get a chance to go check out the ice bar before it becomes uh, one of the newest swimming pool attractions on Nicollet Mall. It's down there by the Four Seasons. You can... Have hot chocolate today. Why not? A little hot chocolate, a little 55-degree day. I think I read it was 61 in one part of Minnesota today. So very, very strange. Uh, it is Wednesday. It is 4 o'clock. It's time for Jason Talks to the Media, where today we are going to be talking about sex. Our guest today is my boss, so I just say that as part of disclosure, so I am going to let her have it. This is going to be a full segment about the problems that I have with Minnesota Monthly, beginning with, uh, you know, why do you put sex on the cover instead of what objectively is the sexiest part of your magazine, and that's mm, me. The taste section. Sure. No, I just meant me specifically. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, Sorry no, about but, that. Uh, Amy Nelson is with us. She has uh, had an amazing career in Twin Cities media from newspapers to magazines, now the editor of Minnesota Monthly. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this cover is so striking and so provocative because it's Minnesota and you're in line at Lunds and Byerly's and there's this bright red cover with pink lettering and it just says, Let's talk about sex. Yes, it is very striking. Uh, it was intentionally red because of the Jan Feb issue, Valentine's Day included. Um, and then the word sex in the typewriter font is very yeah. clear and outlined. And um, striking is a great word. Why, so when you decide, and this is like not outside the realm of the ty- types of things that your teams and your writers would cover sure. for the magazine. But by highlighting it, I mean, was it last month that you had uh, marijuana coverage? Uh, that was last June, oh, right? right last when it... June, you had marijuana. Mm-hmm. You know, it all runs together. Cannabis curious, yes. Cannabis curious. Are you like, is, are you intentionally trying to say, like, hey, whatever you might think about this magazine, like, come and take a look. Come and visit us oh, again. Sure. What's, yeah. We, what's the theory? of? We're, we're trying to tap into what Minnesotans are talking about, thinking about. Obviously, cannabis was very high in in the media and zeitgeist for that I'm sorry. Moment. Did you say very high? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you thought I was going to let that go. Not intentionally, but right, yes. Right. Good catch. Good catch. No, I like that. And I thought that reporting was really interesting, too, because uh, Cannabis Curious, I think, described the way that a lot of us were sort of thinking about this new legal product here. Right. I mean, that was risky. I would say you know, putting sex on the cover is equally risky. But at that point, we hadn't, can't, um, we hadn't legalized 
recreational right. marijuana. So we knew that people were talking about it and wanted some facts and figures, and we tried to take a very sort of fresh approach, you know, two-sided. We presented the problems as well. But let's talk about sex. Come on. Sex is <laughs> – so sex is scary too as a topic. I'll tell you, like, years ago when I was doing TV, we did a story mm. – like a good question story sure. about how many time, like basically it was like how much sex is enough? Frequency, sure. It was a frequency story. Okay. And, you know, who knows when you look at ratings or sales or whatever. Yeah. But the bosses were not happy with the results. Oh. So they were like, Maybe Minnesotans don't want to hear about sex. Interesting. So, like, it'll be interesting to find out uh, from you guys because obviously you have subscribers who get in the mail. Yeah, yeah. And but I can talk about um, just internally in the office how collaborative it was. I was I was very happy with how people were interested in it and willing to you know sound off and really embraced it. And and you know credit to my team, my boss for saying let's. Let's go with it. Let's yeah. try it. Let's see. You know, it is a huge part of a lot of people's daily lives, If even if they don't want to talk about it. And- it's maybe the most commonality, the biggest commonality we all have, that people are really afraid and nervous sure. to talk about. Sure, maybe. That's why I think it's a great topic yeah, for a cover. Yeah, Yeah. And, and we did approach it. it. It's, you know, we did try to make sure that it was seen as sex positive. That was the whole purpose of it is to... Take away the stigma and let people know that you can enjoy it and um, not have shame about it and be on. Do we need to do that for people? Do they do they not know they can't like you're supposed to enjoy it? Well, I Where's, mean, that's the whole that's the whole story. I mean, it's 2024. Like, are people <laughs> is there shame about it still? Surprisingly, yes. Oh, my gosh. Surprisingly. Uh, Amy Nelson is the editor at Minnesota Monthly. Sex is on the cover. I love the angles uh, that you took on this story because I and you just put online today yep. uh, a story with a local sex uh, therapist, correct, Lindsay Fraser. Yep, which I just thought was fascinating because, like, I've never, I've never gone to a sex therapist, right? But you, you are curious, like, sort of our knowledge is kind of locked on Dr. Ruth, right? Like, that, what do we that know? That seems to be the the person that people would identify the most. But, yeah, I mean, we also have an interview in the issue with a couple who see the sex therapist. Yeah, that was so interesting. And I loved their approach. They, they said it wasn't really like a sex therapist. It was more like a marriage counselor who helped with that one facet of their marriage. Their um, child rearing, their just intimacy and um i really appreciated both that angle as well as what the sex therapist had to say as far as was it hard to get a couple to agree to be interviewed to talk about it actually it um we reached out we did not name them though yeah so but no they were very willing and open to share their story which i thought was great and it's you cool. know it was the first step in trying to de- why did they go why did they go for therapy um, they both had very, um, uh, sort of parochial upbringings mm. and some, yeah. a lot of shame. Huh. And so they were, they were just basically trying to work through other issues in their marriage as well. But 
and found that this was very helpful. When you talked with, uh, uh, or when Mo Perry talked with Lindsay Fraser, yep. right? And Mo's a great I love writer. Yes. I love yes. uh, her as well. But like the the question of, you know, why? Like, why are people going to a sex therapist? What what did she find? Um, kind of like what this couple sort of indicated is, um, well, first of all, you both partners have to be willing. And, and we did take mm, the approach mm. in, in this particular issue that it's consensual adults. Got you. you know, yes. So monogamous. Smart, right. Yeah. I mean. There are lots of different there sure areas are. to explore. Right. Yeah. When we first started talking about this as a topic, it was this whole wide, hmm. broad spectrum of do we talk about gender? Do we talk about, yeah. you know, infidelity? Do, what do we focus right. on? Polyamory, sure. all of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Heteronormative. Yes. yes. Right. So, but you also have to think like you're a general interest magazine. Right. That's like, a good point. So and, and the funny thing you're is You're in the Lens and Byerleys when I was checking out. <laughs> like you know And I hope I let's hope take other like people... one shot at this, uh, you know, first. Yeah, I mean covers are super important, especially in the in the supermarket. Absolutely. To grab yeah. your attention. So but... I was I was interested in the in the sex therapist story. She said that the biggest issue uh is this kind of uh, misaligned mm-hmm. uh, desire. Correct. Yes. So somebody wants it all the time. Somebody doesn't. Or, or somebody's it, in a season of life where it's like, ah, yeah, I'm not right. as interested. Right. Or I'm uh, overwhelmed with parenting or whatever. Right. And um, the other thing is, too, that the research has shown that everybody thinks it's usually the male who wants it more. But more and more research is showing that it's actually equal, if not. Um, a little bit more uh, skewed toward females just kind of desiring it and enjoying it. So that also kind of ties in with this issue because it's also directly um, related to specialty doctors for women, which we also mm. have um, as part of that section. So Nice. Amy Nelson is with us uh, from Minnesota Monthly Magazine. I worked for the Piner Press many years ago, been around media in the Twin Cities for... 25 years? 25 years. How about that? Hmm. We were so young. I started when I was five, right? <laughs> we were so young. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more about the future of magazines. The news has not been great on the national level. <sighs> uh, that sound kind of wraps it up for you, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. But we'll talk about it. Uh, Minnesota Monthly, the sex issue is on newsstands right now. And I have some slightly less sexy writing in this magazine as well. More with Amy in just a minute on CCO. Amy Nelson from Minnesota Monthly. She is the editor of everything. She edits my messy, messy copy. You guys hear how I talk on the radio. Imagine what the copy looks like that I send in for uh, our magazine lists and reviews. If you go to minnesotamonthly.com, we have a top 75 restaurant feature that I think is really cool. Yeah, a new database. It's wonderful. It's searchable by like uh, location, city, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, is it minnesotamonthly.com slash top 75? 75? Mm -hmm. And it under the food tab. All right. It's the very first one. It's it's actually, it's, yeah, minnesotamonthly.com. Yeah, and just click on food. That's probably the best way to do it. Uh, Amy Nelson, the issue on newsstands right now, has sex on the cover, 
Some of the textures have said, oh, real creative, sex is everywhere. Mm. Sex is uh, often an undertone of pictures on national, like, model magazines and think fashion. But I don't know that there's much reporting or storytelling about sex, sure. is there? Sure. I mean, sex is everywhere, and maybe that's why we felt like we needed to sort of tap into what people want to know about mm. it and and what they can learn about it. And we also had the extra challenge of trying to make it Minnesota-specific, which uh. – you know, it's it's a universal right. issue. So, so you we, had to do like sex, like in saunas and sex <laughs> right, and sure. up north That's resort. Uh, next, where next were those lists? Issue. Best places to do it. You, you that didn't have that. Yeah, that has been done. That has been done. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the national news about magazines is bad. Sports Illustrated uh, cut its staff. Yep. Cut its staff. We'll see if it rises from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, in a, uh, it's not just magazines. It's all media that's struggling, radio struggling, television, all of us sort of. When you're in the attention economy trying to fight for people's eyes and ears and uh, attention, it's difficult. Sure. What, what, why have we managed to kind of, you know, we still have Minnesota Continue Monthly after. and Minneapolis-St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Like we ha- years, sure. It's sort of amazing to me that this market still is supporting, and then you have all the kind of, suburban like local magazines and those kind of things there's a fair amount of magazine out in this community well we also have a very literate population uh that doesn't hurt and we have a very curious uh readership too you know informed one of the most educated i would say engaged not just with the magazine itself the circulation but also on our social media posts and um they're definitely uh, part of a community that we appreciate. So. Do you? How is it different editing, and you write as well mm-hmm. for Minnesota right, Monthly, right. Uh, as compared to back when you were doing features and editing for the Pioneer Press? Well, the sort of um, impact and the sort of immediacy. Um, but I've when you could put something out and boom, like people were reading it. Sure. And it was at a time when like people were really reading the Pioneer Press more as well, right? Yeah, uh, I I'm not sure about necessarily yeah, yeah, readership, but yeah. but you felt I know the impact. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Sure. And so this is just more from a from a reporting and storytelling and topic perspective, uh I suppose nothing's off limits for you with uh, Minnesota Monthly, right? I hope not. I mean, I I hope to sort of like I said with this particular issue like cast it as something positive and yeah. tap into something that people probably think about but don't really delve into. So this, you know, package lets you sit down with it, read about it, kind of have a gee whiz moment like yeah. um uh, to me the kind of big takeaway from this is that the University of Minnesota has one of the best sex research huh. in, um, institutes yeah. um, right behind Kinsey. So you've probably heard of that. But right. U of M, um, the Eli Coleman Institute is uh, world renowned. And as part of that work, they're looking at trying to make sexual pleasure a human right, which I think is fascinating. I'd never really considered that. Oh, as, what does that mean? Interesting. Um, that uh, at their conferences and and in their organizations, they have um, cast they have 
casted a um, a saying or right. you know a, um, to make sure that people understand that sexual pleasure is um, that is so important. It's so fundamental. Correct. correct. Almost you know a civil right, a human right. So wow, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like, huh? I got to think about that a bit. I'm not sure where they're going with it. But, yeah, what do you do you about know, that? Yeah. Like, right. Because, right. I mean, if that's the case, my wife may have some legal action against me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think it comes <laughs> with um, sort of funding and more research and obviously. Oh, so, yeah. Sex it's such an important part yeah. of our lives. We don't talk about it. We're afraid to talk about it. There's the taboo. We don't have the science because of the taboo. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's it is one of the for many people, not for everyone, but for many people, it's it is it is fundamental. It's part of life, sure. Yeah, yeah. Circle of life. I'm in favor. Uh, you know, and a good Catholic. So twice, like we have two kids, and twice we had it. That was it. <laughs> uh, Pretty lucky. <laughs> Amy, I love it. Uh, sex is the topic. It'll be on newsstands for another month. Co- another month. Mm-hmm. Yep. So- and we also have an interview uh, with Leslie Fema. Um, she wouldn't, they wouldn't let her come on my show. Really? How about that? Well, I, I lucked out and I actually tipped her off that I we love, were writing I about sex. Her. So I asked her if oh, she would nice. actually comment on it. So yeah. in the magazine, sort of tangentially, she does talk about intimacy and sex after 60. So cool. Pick it up. Very good. Yeah. Amy, thanks for coming by. Thank you. Leslie Fema's people might be too afraid to have her face these probing questions, but not you. Not you. Face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> 431. Uh, we'll take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the difficulty in making friends. It has been blowing up. This topic has been blowing up on Twitter. Is there something about Minnesota that makes it so dang hard to make friends? Or is it the people who are struggling to make friends who are the problem? We'll talk about that next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I cannot believe how this Twitter thread, not even a thread, one innocent tweet has blown up someone whose username is Pan Modernist, uh, or that's their name, Pan Modernist Bear. It's like Willie underscore bear underscore. You're like, okay. It's not even a real person. But this bear, the bear is tweeting. The bear who lives in Minneapolis, likes design and trains, says, why are Minnesotans so hard to be friends with? What is wrong with y'all? Minnesota nice, parenthesis, to like four people that you get assigned in high school and no new people after that. 300,000 views of this tweet from someone who has 67 followers, right? So it struck a chord and this conversation plays out. I've been having this conversation on blogs, 
on radio, on Facebook, on MySpace, on Twitter for 20 years. Why is it so hard to make friends in Minnesotans? Do you buy it? Do you not? I would like to know where you met your friends. 651-461-9226. Because I was thinking about that in relation to this issue, right? I'm a transplant from Chicago. I moved here in 2003 with my wife as my only friend here in the Twin Cities. Today, my best friends are a couple we picked up at a bar, platonically, a couple we met through a nonprofit board that we volunteer on, one guy who DM'd me on Twitter and invited me to go to lunch. I was like, you seem pretty interesting. We went to lunch. He's probably my closest friend right now. Another couple that I stole from Matt Brickman, because Matt Brickman, former Channel 4 weather guy, invited us and them to go to a fundraiser that he didn't pay for. So we showed up, got a $750 bill for going to the uh, event, and then I stole Sonny and Tiff, which turned out to be a pretty good $750 investment. And uh, another guy I met test-driving cars. (laughs) That is how I met my friend. So I don't know. I have found, and then I have lots of like small F friends, right? That's like the closest group. And then you have small F friends who I am very outgoing and I am all over the place. So I meet really interesting people and, you know, I have not really struggled. I am very outgoing. I have worked at it though. So Have friendships been hard to maintain in Minnesota? Is it really that different from anywhere else? I am skeptical. I think we are the same as any area where you don't have a lot of transplants. If you are a transplant and you move to Denver or you move to Austin, Texas, or you move to Boston, uh, you're going to have a lot of young people, especially a lot of transplants. And so there's just more availability. Now, now that... You young people don't want to work in person. I don't know what you're doing. It seems like I feel for you because I bet it's really hard. I really do think it's hard. But how much of that is because of where we are today as a society versus, gosh, Minnesotans are so insular and only hang out with their buddies? 651-461-9226. I lived in two other major cities, said a texture five years and eight years, because they were major. There were lots of opportunities. I made an effort. I joined interest groups. It is harder if you're single. And Minnesotans read a lot. (laughs) So that's the thing. That's where, and I'm not like discounting anyone's experience. If you've had a hard time making friends, um, you know, I'm going to assume it's not because like you're just an awkward weirdo. I'm going to assume that like you really are having a hard time. And also I'm going to wonder if maybe you're an awkward weirdo. I'm just going to wonder. I'm not judging. I'm just wondering. How'd you meet your friends? 651-461-9226.
Dan, did you text this in? Don't ask. Leave me alone. I, I didn't, <laughs> but I understand the sentiment. I understand that too. Sure. But if you're an introvert, yes, and you you don't want uh, to interact with a lot of people, like maybe you need that recharging time or whatever. Well, that's, that's just it, and I think that's one of the mistakes people make when they you know deal with folks that are introverted. It's not that I don't like people. I mean, yeah. I, I adore people. I really, honestly do in carefully planned and limitedly measured doses, right? I mean, that's the thing is that there are moments where if I'm ready to be social, if I'm into being social, absolutely, let's talk, let's interact, let's do the thing. Yeah. And if I'm in a place mentally where I'm not ready for that, where I, you know, we talked, you had a conversation earlier today about a business situation a while ago where I walked in and immediately people were trying to interact with me and I wasn't ready for it and it just tripped up my whole day. Yeah. So, and that's nothing that anybody else can know. But you don't complain about like, oh, it's so hard to make friends. No, I don't. And I have a very, but I have a very limited friend group. I have friends, you know, from, so there was one, my best friend in the world I met in fourth grade and literally from fourth grade through high school, any other friend I met was because he was as extroverted as I was introverted. Mm. And there was a social circle that developed around him. So I met people through him. Even when we went off to college, I'm friends now with people that he became friends with in college. We didn't go to the same school. But just by hanging out with him, I got to know these people. And so that he sort of became my friendship crutch in a way. Right? Huh, yeah. so there's that. But then there's also, you know, obviously I'm, you know, very involved with my church situation now. Right. So I have a bunch Great of people place that I, I would friends. absolutely, con, you know, consider some of the people that I go to church with close friends. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of the circle. And, yeah. and family plays a big role of it for me too. My brother is a very dear friend of mine. And I, he's one of the few people in the world that I know I can count on in any given situation. So that's that's some of the reality, right? One texter says you're screwed moving here. I'm just what I'm saying is I don't think we're that unusual for any place that doesn't have a large amount of transplants. So I think I read today that we have about 65 percent of our population in Minnesota was born here. Now, that data point doesn't even include the people who were born in Wisconsin and moved here. Right. I would lump a lot of like Amy who was our guest in our Meet the Media segment, is from Wisconsin. But you think of everybody who lives in the St. Croix River Valley, in Hudson, in River Falls, and they move here. Well, they still have family that's a drive away. Maybe you live in Woodbury if you move to Mid- So all I'm saying is we have so many people that, and this sounds rude to a newcomer, but your dance card is sort of full. You're trying to keep up your friendships that you have. You're trying to keep up your family. And it's hard to, it's hard to meet, it's hard to work it in and fit in the time. And so you do the thing, you do the Minnesota thing, like, oh man, like we should hang out. And the newcomer's like, yeah, I would love that. And you're like, cool, like let's find some dates, see you later. And then that's it. (laughs) That's the end of it. That is a classic Minnesota move. But if you're going to tell me that that move doesn't come to play in like suburban Omaha, I'm going to say, I don't believe it. I don't think we're that special. I think people are similar. And when you're around family, where you grew up, you hang out with those folks, even if you should get rid of some of them. <laughs> I think there can be a certain cultural element aspect to it. It's Midwestern, I think. It could be. Uh, I also think that there's a density, a population density element to it too, right? Hmm. The fact that when you live in places where it's easy to spread out into suburbs and neighborhoods that aren't, you know, super connected together. Yeah. You're just not interacting with people as much as, say, you know, it's an obviously extreme example, but a New York City where there's just that many people piled right. on top of each other. So what, what do we do with this 
sentiment because this is the undercurrent that always comes up. And a texter says native Minnesotans will not shun you, but they will not take an extra effort to include you. And I think that is the number one complaint. That's the that's the crux of the issue. And I guess my pushback on that is why is it their effort? Why is it their problem? Like you're the one who wants to make a friend. So do it. If you want to do it, do it. And I know it's scary. I have <laughs> I have invited myself over to many people's houses. I have <laughs> once I invited myself out to dinner with a potential friend <laughs> because they were going to dinner. I'm like, oh, what are you guys up to? Oh, we're going to Meritage. I'm like, oh, well, we'd love to join you. And I'm like that guy. Remember those uh, Encore Frozen Entree commercials where it's like the guy from Happy Days, uh, that the the actor. Oh, I can't think of his name. Someone will think of it and text me. And he's in the grocery store, and some guy picks up the Encore Frozen Entree, which is so big, it can't obviously just be dinner for you. And so the guy, the guy who is in Happy Days, is like, hey, what time's dinner? 5.30, I'll be over. Then the next person comes over, he's like, hey, dinner at 8.30, I'll see you there. That's sort of what I do. I just invite myself in. And I don't care if they say no, it's fine. Like, it's not... It's not on it's not on them, it's on me. Now the other aspect to this that I think is interesting. I have the answer for you, by the way. Oh, you do? Who is the guy? Al, Al Molinaro. Molinaro. Yeah. Al Molinaro. Also known as Al Delavecchio. It's a great reference. Ed Molinaro? Is it Ed? No, it's Al. It's Al. It's Al. Al played Al. Al played Al. It was a stretch, but he somehow figured it out. Al's like me. Like you gotta keep it simple. Like if I gotta play someone, it would be helpful if his name was Jason. Uh <laughs> the other aspect of this is something that may, we'll do another segment on this, but how do you define a friend? Because I feel like some days I feel like I have 200 friends, but no friends. You know what I mean? Like you have a million acquaintances. If I threw a party, uh, a lot of people would show up. And if I found myself in crisis in some way, like who would who would show up? So I think all of us sort of go through that like existential crisis. It's 450. Our current crisis is we have to take a break here on CCO. It is 49 in downtown Minneapolis. Our guy Mark texted in and said he's met some new friends because he was sitting in the garage listening to our show. How about that? New couple moved in down the street. Said, oh, we listen to Jason, too. That's what we do, Dan. We just bring people together. I'm a uniter, not a divider. Okay. It's beautiful. Do we need, like, friend meetups? Drive time meetups? And the introverts can sit in the corner. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.